Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. I'm Marshall. That's Nick. You can find us at hypercleanstore.com or go to the Hyperclean Specialist Group on Facebook. If you're somebody that goes onto Facebook and hangs out, great place to go into and be a part of the Hyperclean community. Nick, I'm diving into one of your favorites today. I'm, I just, I've got a journey into it and it is, uh, well, it's because I spent a lot of time uh, with family this weekend. So I figured I would enjoy something that you have uh, been enjoying and that's a high nooner from, uh, you know, who, who makes a high noon? Who does it? Uh, I think it's the, uh, what's the Gallo, you know, like the big wine company that owns. So how I got hooked on Nooners was I played in like a three or four day golf tournament that I got invited to. And the guy was the regional director for like Gallo Wines or whatever. And he brought just a billion cases to this tournament. And it wasn't really like a big thing at that point. And we started drinking them at the tournament. I'm like, oh, (laughs) This is what I'm talking about. So that guy ended up putting like five cases in my car at the end of the tournament. So I took them home, you know, but yeah, I think it's like the Gallo wine, Co- whatever that is, you know, they're, they're the ones that either they own the distribution rights or they make it or whatever it is that goes on. And, you know, there's like three companies globally that, you know, it's like, I'm not going to drink Bud Light anymore. So to somebody, they, they buy another beer and it's still Anheuser-Busch and they don't know, right? There's only like three companies that own everything. Uh, so yeah, that's how I first got into them. So I think it's like Gallo or I, I forget. It's one of those like big West coast wine companies owns it. Five cases and you were hooked. Uh, sounds like he was a great drug Buddy, Not, not only five cases. It was like, you know, a lot throughout the tournament. And I'm like, man, this stuff is fantastic. And so he goes, yeah, man, nobody knows about it yet. You know, I think it's going to be a big hit. Boy, was he right. <laughs> mm. It was. Tur- turns right. out he know he knows all about it. Let's do some buy and sell, and I'm buying this week. I'm buying your car care family, and I'm I'm buying how interesting that is to your actual family. Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean, right? I told you this story, and I think it's ironically funny, given that, uh, you know, coming out of Labor Day weekend where we celebrated through the hills of Arkansas, going around and seeing a lot of interesting people, some of them who are my family, so I get it. I am throwing some interesting things at my family, but hey, you know, that's why you put your arm around them and you go, hey, 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 yep. yeah, buddy. So <laughs> my car care family seems to be a lot like my actual family that, well, I pull up to stoplights and for some reason when I'd look over and somebody's yelling at me, they don't have many teeth. They're kind of funny looking and they're usually somewhere in the 50s and they're driving, well, Sorry, a Dodge truck. And for some reason, the Dodge truck guys or females, seems to be a lot of 50-year-old half-toothless females that want to look over and go, hey, nice Jeep you got there. <laughs> hey, It is. Thank keep, you. They're, Appreciate they're keeping it. They're in the, in the Stellantis family. They're like, hey, you're, you're, exactly. you're driving a Dodge. I'm driving a Dodge. It's always another Dodge. Like, And it, I realize that I go, huh. There is a car care family, right? And it seems like if you've had a vehicle or you've been a part, like I want to sometimes talk to Nissan. Like I get it. And I started to realize it in particular when every time at a stoplight, it's that Dodge truck. And I realized looking at my Arkansas neighbors, my Arkansas family, I'm like, huh, 
wow. All right. I'm buying, I'm buying my car care family. It's pretty similar to my regular family. Yeah. I, uh, I got to sell something. Okay. And people get mad when I buy, I'll get texts and be like, dude, we just want to hear you sell stuff. So let me go ahead and sell this. If you're an adult male, let's stop with the birthdays. Okay. Stop telling me it's your birthday. Stop telling me you're celebrating your birthday. It's just not a man thing to do. Okay. You can't tell me how badass you are and tell me you want me to wish you happy birthday. That, that doesn't go together. Okay. I don't understand what's going on. Now people have like birthday weekends and their dudes and birthday weeks and birthday months. We got to stop this nonsense after about the age of what? 16 and 21. Okay. Or your two big birthdays as a, as a guy, you get to get a car, you get to, you know, drink legally and go to some bars, be done with it, my man. Like you and I joke, all the time about so-and-so on their page and, you know, their Mr. Birthday. And, you know, I saw this long heartfelt post about what I've learned in my 40 plus years on this earth. It's like, come on, man, you got to stop this. Like, I mean, (laughs) you just got to stop. Hey, if they stopped, you wouldn't get a a laugh and giggle. Yeah. Well, that's the other part of it. I kind of need you guys to keep doing it so I can laugh with the people in this group text that, you know, all they do is laugh about this stuff. And look, a lot of these guys I've known, a lot of these guys are maybe in, in our industry or I know them from other parts of my life. And I, I can't help but just say when it's a close friend of mine that I know that does this, he does not get a happy birthday from my friends. He gets a dude, are you, are you transitioning to a chick? That's the joke we say. It's like, come on, man, you, you, you got to be better. You got to be better. Like, are you expecting birthday gifts? What 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 is the end game here? So, you know, I'm going to sell birthday guy above the age of 21, which would be the last meaningful birthday you should have. Go out, have a good time on your 21st birthday. You know, go to the bar, have some fun, but you got to move on. Well, I'm going to make sure I try and hack your internet the next time that you have a birthday, and I'm going to post a <laughs> selfie on there and be like, well, what people don't know is I'm not worried about you hacking. We got plenty of internet trouble over there in HQ that you're responsible for. So I think I'll let be me, safe. Let me and, rephrase that. Uh, I'll pay somebody to hack. <laughs> I'm going to go on and try to pay a hacker. Let me rephrase that. Considering as we tried to start recording this, he's joking because we had it wouldn't let us record because it said internet was slow, and we just went through upgrading the modems, the routers. Like I spent a lot of time. I wanted to sell. That was going to be another. I was wanting to think about a sell. It was selling trying to set up a printer on a new modem and router. Like I just I can't do it. I'm done. I'm done. Well, Tommy Tech over there just struggling, and. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it's uh, it's one of those things, though, when when something electronically doesn't work and you can't get it figured out, I mean, you really could smash a whole room up. Like, that's one thing that could send even the calmest human being over the edge. Especially when you've done everything and it's reads and then it tells you the medium <laughs> inside of here is not the same as what basically it's trying to print something that's not the same size as the label. And so the printer won't do it. And it's like <laughs> the medium is not the right. It's like, mm, 
I'm done. All right. So interesting things we found on social. Uh, I, I, I think this is, uh, listen, I think it's funny because it's something we just talked about giving away, right? Like, so interesting part to think through is, you know, you go to a, uh, whether it's, you know, somebody that goes to a car show or goes to, you know, the, those group meetings where, hey, we're all business people come in and we're going to have this, you know, kumbaya like discussion about business and we can all trade some stuff. Right. Like yeah. we've all been pitched to come to those. You know, do you give away a detail? This was a question I saw that somebody was asking. And I, I really wanted to bring it up first because, right, you got hooked. We're now promoting high nooners all off of somebody giving away yeah. something oh, yeah. for free at a big event. So it does work. You know, what are the positives and the negatives, right? Because, okay, we're trading our time. That could be a positive. We, if we have plenty of time to give, you know, the, the, maybe the problem is that, you know, we're not getting money for the service, but Hey, I could use that to, I trade free washes all the time to get videos. So, yeah. I, you know, I, this is a really interesting question, really off of the high nooner, especially, right? Yeah. Would you give away a free service or not? Yeah. I mean, I've had times, there's no doubt, you know, you'll give away free stuff. You know, when you run a business, you're going to give away some free things. You're going to give some discounts on things. You're going to try to maneuver your way into, let's say, a boutique dealership, and they want to see your level of work. And, you know, maybe they're playing you, but maybe they aren't. Uh, I think you got to do it with your eyes wide open that, hey, I'm doing it for a chance at business. And that's what you're getting, a chance, right? Maybe somebody sees my work at this show or, you know, I've done some stuff, uh, you know, I've talked about this before with a tool company and some breast cancer awareness uh, stuff before, and they end up giving me a free polisher that I still have in my shop today. Did I get a whole lot out of it? No, but I did it because I wanted to do it. And that's, that's kind of where you have to draw the line. If you're doing it because you want to do it, I don't think you can go wrong. If you're doing it expecting I'm going to get millions of dollars off of it, I think that's kind of the wrong reason to do it. Do it for a chance at something and have that mindset and just say, hey, I'm doing this because I want to do it. Maybe there's a chance something will come from it. I, I think you will never be disappointed. The problem is, you know, this kind of happens most of the time in like fleet situations. I think it's probably the times in your career where you've run into, we just want to see what you can do. And it's like, well, they don't know what they're looking at anyway. And they're trying to take advantage of you. But even then, you know, what'd you spend 30 minutes to an hour uh, showing them what you could do. And you just kind of, kind of have to take the chance. I, I don't think it's some kind of like overall decision I make multiple times a week, but probably a few times a year we run into a situation where it's like, Hey, you know, let's take care of somebody here. Maybe it's a chance to get in with this crew or that crew or that person or these people. I mean, I think we've all run into those things. So it's basically case by case basis. We should think about it. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, you know when it feels right and there's a chance and you know when somebody's just trying to game you. And sometimes maybe they are trying to game you and you don't know. You just got to go and say, hey, man, it's given me a chance at X, Y and Z. And, you know, I feel like it's the right thing to do at this moment in time. All right, somebody that might be trying to game, we're not sure. This is the next interesting one. And it comes from a detailer here in Oklahoma looking and be put out, you know, looking for to hire somebody. Got to be, uh, you know, right? They'll go through and got to be there, right? Got to put out oh, yeah. all this hard worker, right? Like, and be able to be out in the Oklahoma weather as a mobile detailer starting at $12 an hour. <laughs> My guy, <laughs> 12 well, bucks well. an hour. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, 
I think we can safely say something here. That is not the starting pay in most mid-sized to large cities. Most cities now, Target, Walmart, they're starting at 18 to 22 bucks an hour. That's They're going to be in the AC. They're going to be not working very hard, which you're going to be working them to death. I, I don't see a number below 18 that would even make sense in most cities uh, that we talk to. I think you got to be at that $20 and, and I get it, man. There's a lot of guys that hear that and they start to cringe and, well, he doesn't know what he's doing. And, but Hey man, the, I don't make the rules. I didn't tell target, you know, target out here is starting like a cart guy at 22, 23, 24 bucks an hour. At the end of the day, it is what it is, man. The world's changed. You, you either catch on or you don't catch on. And I, I, I fear that what we see a largely in detailing is a whole host of people not catching on, right, as owners. And they want to talk about the workforce and people don't want to do this and people don't want to do that. Hey, man, that's a percentage of it. But 80% of the population would gladly do it for 20 bucks an hour. So you got to figure out a way to, to make it 20 bucks an hour, 18 bucks an hour in, in some smaller towns. But at the end of the day, man, the going rate's the going rate. Yeah, I, we've even talked to people inside of our community that have struggled to find, to hire, and they're starting at 20. So, <laughs> you know, it's absolutely way too low. Definitely, I know if you're going to find somebody that wants to be out in the Oklahoma elements at 12 bucks an hour, they're not going to last, right? There's and no they're way. not going to be hardworking, and they're not going to be on time, and they're not, because, you, you know, that is the definition. When you search at the bar, bottom of the barrel, from the employment pool and you think you're going to get gold that, that that's not going to happen it doesn't happen for anybody by the way mm. so apparently what else doesn't last is uh tesla paint uh, in, at, in alabama so according to randy inside of the specialist group this was fun to see listen i was a fun joke randy come on man we just did a podcast we talked plenty about power washer psi right like come on man. like blaming yeah. it on the tesla blaming yeah. it on the tesla but come on randy we all know like we all know your psi was too high now I, yeah randy randy didn't do that but you could see man that paint just got it it does look like it got ripped straight off yep. that's crazy have you seen that in tesla paint is that a yep. that's a common occurrence tesla for a long time i don't know how many people know this i mean they were caught on camera painting cars outside uh, they have never been a high quality control company, especially now with the move to Texas. I think they've experienced even more quality control issues. Uh, come on, you know, man. What are you up. trying to say about the Texans? No, what, no, come saying, on. I'm what are you saying? saying? A, it's not Texas. Moving a factory out of California and moving your operations to another state. It just happens to be Texas. Uh, don't give me in trouble here, Marty. Nick hates don't Texas. Give me, don't give me. I, I love Texas. Not, not about that. So. I think number one, building cars is hard, right? Tesla's proven that, that I, I don't even think they're largely even close to profitable, maybe a little bit profitable at this point. I, I think what a lot of companies, Texas or uh, Toyota, Lexus, for years and years and years have struggled with their paint system. Honda's had struggles with their paint systems at times. Uh, GM's had struggles with its paint system. I think what you see with Tesla is, they just really haven't heavily invested in it. And I think the reason they haven't invested in it is they assume that people are going to be getting a new electric car every couple of years, right? Part of the downfall 
of paint systems has been car companies are betting that you're not going to keep your car longer than two or three years, right? As cars have gotten more expensive, I think they've made the wrong bet. But here's here's the spot for auto detailers. Man, you come across a Tesla, number one, you better be real cautious about how much you take off of that car. Like, imagine this. That guy paid somebody, let's just use an example. That guy paid somebody thousands of dollars to, to take care of their car out of the factory. And in a year, the, the paint's peeling off of it. Yeah, man, it may not be your fault, but what if it were your fault? What if you did a heavy cut with no paint on there and a polish and then used a lackluster ceramic coating and all of a sudden the guy's, you know, a year in and he goes, what the hell? This guy said that this would never happen. And so you got to be cautious with things like Tesla. A lot of the electric cars from a lot of manufacturers are in this position. But we've talked about this really a million times in the last three years on this podcast is things have changed with paint. It's not going back. And, you know, the data says manufacturers have reduced paint on cars because they're saving literally millions a year by shaving off amounts of paint and clear and look once you save that money you're not going back so uh, tesla's always had a con quality control issue this is absolutely another example of that they've never gotten it right it is what it is i mean you know you got to inform the buyer if you're working on them and you got to be smart with the things you actually do to those cars yeah definitely okay so this was a fun post that i saw and i listened were you uh when you grew up, did you get into Hot Wheels? Were you a Hot Wheels guy? Yeah, yeah, of course. Big dude, did you have like? Remember, there was guys that had. Uh, this was probably you. That plastic tub that would open up, and it was like a fishing lure box, and oh, they yeah. had each. That oh, was yeah. you, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I was not that guy. Mine might have went around a small lunchbox or something. I didn't have many, but this was an interesting uh, theory that somebody had. Was they said you can't expect a kid who grew up with Hot Wheels to own just one vehicle at a time. Yeah, but probably true. I mean, probably, you know, starts at a young age and, you know, you want to always buy something that you had in the Hot Wheels collection. Not that I think a guy making this post on Facebook can afford a bunch of those vehicles, but yeah, I mean, it probably does start there. You know, that's your first car experience. You know, for us, it was those uh, rubberized tracks, you know, that you could race cars around. And yeah, man, I mean, you get, once you're kind of a car person, you got to get your fix somehow. And that that's why I tell people I built my business the way that I did is I get to drive a lot of cars. I get to buy a lot of cars. I get to sell a lot of cars. And so it's largely kept me out of any financial issues buying cars on my end because I just kind of enjoy them and, and have a good time with them, you know, through my customers. And it's been a way for me to get my fix. But yeah, man, if you don't have that fix, I could see how guys would end up with three and four cars. All right. So I just took my first sip of black cherry. Yeah. Black cherry on the high nooner. I'm not you. Are you in? Cause I'm out. Yeah, man. I'm in on all of them. So you're in on all I, of them. I'm I, out on the I black mean, cherry. Look, I, I like some better than others. I'm, I'm like anybody else, but you know, get yourself two or three down the hatch and you'll be fine. Oh yeah. Huh? That's, that's what I'm planning on. That's what I'm planning on. Okay. So soft tops. I've, I've never, you had a soft top Jeep. I, yeah. part of the big reason why I never was a soft top fan is because that, that back, you know, they'll, they'll say back windows. Some yeah. as, as people have gone through, there's different forms of what plexiglass is different yeah. ways that people have done things. soft top back glass. You know, it's not glass, right? Plexiglass yeah. or, you know, other types of material 
they always start to discolor. They always start to get old. They always start to show age. Do you have a practice? Has it ever been something? Have you gone in and started to polish on work on those? I particularly didn't want that type of Jeep because I didn't want to have to deal with it. Yeah, you wanted a Cherokee. Um, so here, no, here's I, the I wanted a Wrangler <laughs> four door, you know, you, you wanted well, I did the Sahara too. I did the Sahara because I didn't want the, the plastic sides like you had, and you probably yeah. had a nasty top and nasty no. side brand fenders new. where my brand, top brand and flat new. fenders look great. New. Uh, by the way, uh, the thing to do on a Jeep, a real Jeep is to do the glass insert on both sides of the driver and passenger, which you could buy in a soft top form and then it had real glass in it. I know you don't know about those upgrades, but that that was the thing to do. Uh, yeah, when they start, when things start to degrade, I have two ways of going about it. Number one, I would be okay with some light polish, okay? A very high quality, you know, using a more, you know, what you would call medium to softer pad but I always knew that if it went too far, we're buying a new top. Okay. So we're going to try to save this with the understanding that if things get out of hand and we take it too far, we're getting a new top. Now that's a little bit of a, a, a bigger risk today, but tops are a million times better. Like we did an upgrade on a, on a Bronco that I think we shared in a specialist group a long time ago. Uh, where we bought an, an actual, what they would call a race top. You know, it almost looked like a Humvee back to it. Uh, that was fairly affordable to do for what you paid for that Bronco to make it look a little bit more sleek and whatever. But I think if you're going to go in to try to fix soft tops, the one thing I'm going to say is you've got to be ready to buy a new one. Your customer needs to be ready to buy a new one. Because once you get to these points where something has started to discolor or get severely scratched, Everybody in the circle needs to understand, hey, man, we're trying to pull a miracle here. We're trying to make this thing look really great. But there's a high probability that we're really in a replacement thing. This is why when you have soft top vehicles, whether that's a Bentley convertible or a Jeep or, you know, whatever it may be, you got to just stay on the maintenance because these things won't discolor and won't look raggedy in 100 years if you maintain them. Like they're not meant to break down. They largely break down because of lack of maintenance. But yeah, we've certainly, uh, even one that I had, one of the first Jeeps that I owned, when I bought it, the, te- the top was in terrible shape. I got it to pretty serviceable polishing it a little bit. Now, remember, now all the protective coatings are off of it. You're down, you know, you, you know that you're on borrowed time in a, in a lot of ways, but with ceramic coatings and things that you could probably do on it now, hey, maybe you could get an extra year or two, a season or two out of it. But the way to avoid it, I mean, people get tired of hearing this, is just to maintain the top, and it'll treat you well forever. All right, so why didn't you do that upgrade? What upgrade? Oh, the one, the, the glass upgrade. You were, you were educating everybody? You did the glass upgrade. Yeah, you did the- it's, not, it's not all the way around. It's just- it, you, it How do you the, take your top off if it's got glass on it? No, no, it's the side doors Jeep know-it-all. The side doors for the driver and the passenger, you could get these inserts for your top that made those windows glass so you'd never have a clarity error, you know, like you would with the with the with the plastic. So the uh-huh. rest of the windows, you know, the the back one, the back two, and then the very back, those those would all still be plastic. But I I did the glass 
look, I had the sliding glass. Come on, dude. I was a real Jeep guy. I, you know, I wasn't in the waving crowd and putting a duck on my, no, we're talking about real Jeeps here. Okay. So leave this to the real Jeep people while you drive your Cherokee around. Okay. This, this is not the same. Uh, but yeah, I did do it. And it was just an insert. You literally just, you know, you had those two posts, you just slid it right down on those posts and it replaced those two side windows. All right. I was afraid you're going to say it's because I never took my top off. I was afraid you were going to be one of those guys. No, I told you I had a Jeep when I was in San Diego that never had the top on, never had the doors on, never had the top on. So when the guy bought it, he goes, man, how long have you had this top? I said, since new, it's never been put up. And he's like, you got to be kidding me. I'm like, never been put up, dude. So you got a brand new top that's literally never been put up. God damn, you're in the family. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Well, you, first of all, you don't even take your back doors off. So let's not call it door lifts over there. Okay. I mean, we don't need to, to, to go over this again for everybody that doesn't understand that you're driving a Cherokee, dude. You, I mean, it's all right. <laughs> all right. So did, did you ever grow up? I, I, when I, I played a lot of games, right? Like the best I could, I've always been games. I love games. I couldn't really do board games. There was a board game that was popular, not monopoly risk. Yeah. Right. Did you ever play risk? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Ah, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not a risk fan. Did you ever watch uh, risk factor? That, that was the next thing I thought of when I started thinking of risk. Cause I saw the couple of posts that makes me think of it. Like risk factor though. Were you a risk factor saw, guy? I never, I never saw it. Never saw it. But I think he's one of your, I think you're a fan of that guy, right? Like, I don't risk know. Who is it? Guy? Oh, I don't know either. Anyway. No, you so, fear factor. Oh, I thought it was risk factor. Well, no, you know, fear factor. Of course I watched fear factor. Are you crazy? People 48 out of 50. Yeah, education. yeah, yeah, I know. That's all, boy, that's all boy. I Labor Day really got to you there, Marty. You know, Arkansas is not quite far from Austin, <laughs> Oklahoma. So, you know, might have had a few too many nooners. Yeah, maybe, yeah, I don't know. Fear Factors. I used to love that show. So, Risk Factor, Fear Factor, whichever you want to go. I dreamed up Risk Factor, I guess. So, yeah, you did. But, you know, there's, there's risks that always happen. And it could be, you know, inside of business, there's risk. Inside of detailing, there's risk. The risk of this, right, I'm currently using blank, right, you know, for compound and polish, and I'm looking for a cheaper product that does the same. Hmm. So the <laughs> risk of trading down to spending less but getting the same, right, that's a risk. There's another risk is we've seen inside of detailing is, hey, uh, I know there's a lot of great interior cleaners out there, specifically, you know, Revive that could be cleaned everything on the whole interior. However, I want to risk spraying a diluted down degreaser all over the interior and hope that I get the same results, right? Like yep. risk yep. factor or risk in a game and risk inside of detailing. Like we're all going to take them, but at yep. what level in a sense should we start to take risk? Because I, I think if you understood your career, you took risk, which you have talked yeah. publicly about when it came to other things outside of detailing, even inside of detailing. Yep. For me, always risk. You always take risk. You calculate those risks, but you always have them. Is this a risk you're going to take, spraying degreaser on the interior? I mean. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, man, I, I see a lot of things. And, and I think Facebook groups have been very educational for you and I and and the mindset of guys getting their start or even veterans. 
I, I can't really understand. Let's start with the first one. I'm using something that works really great. So I'm not going to reward that company that's made my life easier. I'm looking for a cheaper option that works the same. Well, in life, in business, in services, in equipment, in chemicals, largely things are more expensive because they work better. Right? I mean, nobody would say that I'm going to drive a Nissan and it's going to be the same as driving a Bentley Bentega. Right? I mean, there's just a reality around that. The only thing they share in common is they get you from point A to point B. Everything else is different from that point. Your experience, the quiet ride, the, the comfortable ride, the horsepower, everything's different. And so I, I think when you get into this idea of risk, the question would be, why in the world would I leave a product that's working really great for my business? just to risk it all and say, you know what? I may make my life a little more difficult, but I save three bucks. Like it doesn't Maybe that make three bucks means a lot, right? Like maybe somebody's in the spot that they go, Hey, I could spend 50 bucks on this compound, but Hey, this one's 45 and it'll basically do the same or 40. Like, Hey, I, this has always been an interesting thing for me. Not just a young guy that is, uh, you know, getting their start or, you know, Hey, I'm starting to get into polishing. So I, I want to make sure I, I save. I, I think this is interesting that you see inside of Facebook groups where people want cost calculators on their products, right? Like uh -huh. because they want to save something on their product, they think it's going to equivalent into better business. Like, yeah, yeah. because they, they ultimately they just need to save five or 10 bucks you find this also, we talked about dealerships. You find this in dealerships. They'll want to save five or 10 bucks on a jug and they'll yeah. switch. Like the ironic part about people in our industry is we take the risk of saving. I want to save five or 10 bucks and we risk that savings off of everything else that we could be gaining. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, let's go to the degreaser part of it on an interior. Look, we all know that the most popular one guys are trying to save a nickel on is super clean. Oh, I bought super clean and it works great. Now I've sprayed it all over the car inside out. There's no problem. We also see the post of why is this whole door panel chalk white now? And that's happened more in the last five years than it ever happened the first 20 years of my career. I mean, you and I may have seen some drip lines in our career, but you go back to the beginning of your career, you didn't see a chalk white interior because you smoked the shit out of it with a degreaser because you didn't do that. I'll put it to you this way. I was told a very simple rule. This degreaser is for the outside of the car. This APC is for the inside of the car. I never had another conversation. That degreaser was never being sprayed on the interior of a car at any stop anywhere in my career. Never had one person tell me that. Now, how's that possible that now we have guys on Facebook groups burning plastic and trying to cover it up with dressing? Happens every day. And it's got to be right because when I, when I, I remember specifically when you asked that question, I, I went right back in my mind to the first times I started seeing run lines. Okay, why did I see them? Ah, I right, I was using that APC that general all-purpose cleaner. I just had it a little bit too concentrated. I, I left yep. it on too long, but I made sure to use a specific interior cleaner. I have never, 
ever in my 20 plus years never understood why somebody would take an exterior product and try and use it on the interior. Even at the basis of this would have been what, what you know, early 2000s. I, and I think so. One reason why people started to do it more and more, as you say, over the past five years is the pandemic of the internet, of social media groups. Oh, yeah. no like question. it's, they see some people doing it and they go, oh, maybe I can. They take the risk and go, ah, oh, there's zero risk. All these people are telling me, whereas, quote unquote, let's go back in the day, if a chemical company told me how to use something, I did what the they told me to do. I yep. didn't try and think outside the box and go, oh, well, Johnny over there said I can use the degrees around the interior yep. and save five bucks. Yeah, no, God you, damn it. You're, you're right about that. There was a more, there was a definite clear cut you know, when I came in the industry, 3M was huge, right? Especially compound and polish. I mean, they pretty much dominated. I mean, Meguiar's wasn't really even a thought when I started. I mean, 3M dominated that world. And you use the stuff the way they told you. Like you, yeah, man, you could you could work your pad a little different or choose a different pad or whatever. But when it came to compound and polish, you used it, their system exactly how they told you, right? I mean, that that's basically what happened. And you can go down to whether you were using a local company with chemicals or using a big company with chemicals, you used it the way they instructed just because maybe we all didn't know better, right? Maybe we all didn't have the, the internet telling us, Hey, you got to do this or you got to do that. And so magically, and I've said this for quite some time, I think we were able to get a better interior and exterior car and the general public of detailing when I started than we can get now with all the information because yeah, man, some of us may have burnt paint here and there. I see guys burning paint with DAs. Like, we didn't burn paint on that level. I mean, you did it here and there. I mean, I see more burnt paint now than I ever saw 20 years ago. And the weird thing is we should be so much further along with all the good information you can tap into. Because let's be clear about something. We talk about the Internet and we talk about the bad. There is some good. And you're actively trying not to find the good. If you're going into a Facebook group that has 40,000, 50,000 people in there, and all of it is low-level conversation, which you know the groups. I mean, they're all this low-level conversation, save a nickel here, you know, jump over a dollar to get to a penny type of people. If you're not smart enough to get out of those groups or not listen to those groups, you're going to fall the same victim as all of them, which is bur burning door panels with, with degreaser which is, is bizarre to me. And all over saving 12 cents on the whole detail, you're risking, and let's talk about the risk. Everyone just thinks about risking the damage. Okay, fine. You're risking your quality. You're risking your name. You're risking your business. You're risking money because if you damage a door panel and you actually burn a door panel, as bad as we've seen them get chalk white, guess what you're doing? You're ordering a new one. There is no fixing that. You, you've, you've burnt it. It's over. There's no fixing it. Maybe you could have it re-dyed, but at that point, what customer is going to want their whole door re-dyed? So I mean, it, it's crazy. Did you ever, did you ever think, because I think there's some guys that they're listening and they're going to be probably like, like you and I. I, I assess that type of risk, right? Oh, yeah. Like I remember some of the people that I've really started working with that started to grow your business, right? Like, people that latched on to you, they wanted to use your service. You really appreciated them because they were going to 
use your service on a regular basis and you didn't want to piss them off. You just kind of like, for me, there were certain people I knew I didn't want to upset. I wanted to make sure that they were happy because I knew that they were going to value what I did. Yep. So I always tried to do like core things, right? Like I want to make sure I do X, Y, and Z. I want to make sure I clean my interior. I want to make sure I get the glass, right? I want to make sure I don't mess something up. Like, yeah. Don't want to burn trim with the polisher. Don't want to do this. Don't want... There, there, like you said, there's probably five to 10 things. If we rattled them off, you just wanted to make sure it looked good, right? Like a properly dressed tire and a, and a well cleaned, you know, rim and, you know, your glass being nice and clear and all this other stuff. And, and this is why I advocate, you know, and I've talked to, to some people that are, you know, the top level of paint polishers that, that exist in our, our industry, they are shocked at people trying to learn to sand a car who don't know how to hold a polisher. Like we have gotten away from you and I came into a time and it doesn't mean it was better where the basics were taught. You were taught how to wash a car. You were taught how to clean a a tire. You were taught how to, you know, detail an interior. I'm not saying you were taught the perfect solution, but you were always taught that we're here not to leave this car damaged and in worse shape than when we found it. And the other thing when it comes to the interior and these degreasers or even some of the harsh APCs guys are using, there is nobody with money that has a nice car that wants to smell a chemical when they get in the car. Nobody. I, I, I mean, I don't even know somebody that's buying a $50,000 car that's thinking to themselves, you know what I love smelling? Degreaser when I get in here. I mean, even as detailers, we don't love the smell of it. So why would you want all that stuff in the interior and you're telling yourself, Hey man, this is what I had to do. No, it isn't. The greatest part about being a detailer right now should be you have something that 20 years ago didn't exist. You have all these products specially formulated to not only make your life easier, but to make the finished product on such an elite level, your skill set really doesn't have to be that high. You just have to be good at choosing products that help you appear as your skills are high. Like I see all these guys that have to dress interiors all the time. And you know what I think to myself, they've left a chalky residue behind and they're trying to cover it up because interiors now look so good, Matt, that what would be the argument for a heavily dressed interior? Like we see guys using guns on the interior. We see guys laying thick layers of, of dressing on the interior. How in the world would you need that on a F-150 Platinum that has a nice interior. I'm not saying a perfect interior, but a nice interior. What would you need a heavy dressing for? Unless you did something that you look at it and you go, wow, you know, this interior looks kind of dry. Well, no kidding, dude. You just used a degreaser on the interior. Like it's going to look dry. It's meant to rip stuff off. That's what it's designed for. And when you do that on rubber of a tire or in a wheel well, that's what it's designed to do. It doesn't matter how much you dilute it down and you make yourself believe, oh, you know, chemical companies, this is all they're doing on their end anyway. No, they aren't. Do you think I want a whole bunch of burnt interior pieces on our interior cleaner? Do you know what kind of liability that would be? It isn't the same. And, you know, I'll ask you this because we talked about this earlier and I really feel like this. We're now at a point where people are trying to feel like they're outsmarting a system that doesn't need outsmarting. 
it doesn't get you anything. It's not like you make exponentially more money by outsmarting, quote unquote, the chemical system. Like you, you're not making an extra million a year because you save 13 cents a detail. That's not happening. Well, so I think there's a, there's two words that I think people are using and maybe they're misunderstanding and that's tactical advantage. Tactical advantage is something that is real and you should find every way that you can propel whatever it is that you're trying to do better. And so there does happen inside of detailing, inside of detailers, inside the world of just car care is, oh, maybe one tactical advantage is to save money, right? Like that, that is yeah. what I know talking to plenty of people that an, an advantage that they believe that they will get while they are cleaning a car is to buy a cheaper product because I will begin to save money, then that means that I'm going to save for my business. So my business or save for personally, let's say I'm, I'm in my driveway and I want to, you know, I, I met a guy, this is really funny. He loved my Jeep. Uh-huh. Right. Like, so we're at, we're grabbing tacos. We're at a taco truck and this guy gets out. He's got a, he's got a nice, uh, it looks good. Everything's clean. Everything looks great. It's an Audi. It looks cool. And he gets out and he goes, wow, man, I like your tire shine. Who do you get? Yeah. Got to talk to him about, well, actually it's hyper clean. You know, this is ultra dress. Here's the link. This is a, you know, we're located just over around the street, right? Like, what do you get? Oh, I, I just been going into the parts store. Yeah. So somebody that really likes to take care of his car can see the difference in a different product. And even he goes, well, how much does it cost? There's a theory that a tactical advantage <laughs> is that we buy something cheaper and save money. Yeah, it does. It just doesn't work that way. I mean, we we've talked at you know at length on this podcast of just by choosing a different surfactant in a soap for your car gives you a greater advantage of cleanliness, shine left behind by some of these surfactants, even some type of protective qualities that can come from things you can add because you used a, a, a better surfactant. Let me tell you something, man. All car soaps aren't the same. We can tell you that we can make a $5 a gallon soap. We also can make a 50, 60, 70, $80 a gallon of soap. The ingredient difference in those soaps is why the cost difference is what it is. It's not just a $5 a gallon soap over here, you know, and we're just marking it up. That's just not how business is, just on a logical level. Even if you're providing a service as a detailer, your $500 package includes a lot more than your $200 package. And so you don't want people to think you're lying about it, but you want to assume everybody else that you're doing business with is lying about it. And ingredients inside of a product really matter. If guys that have gotten addicted to using Revive you're not leaving a harsh chemical smell behind, but you're getting all the cleaning ability of, of a very powerful chemical, right? Safe, cleans really well, can clean any interior you run into for the most part. And here's the question I have to ask. Do you think some research and development and some modern chemistry has helped us in development of that? Yes. So Absolutely. what happens? That means 
the chemical company, the, the raw chemical company has done some R&D. We've done some R&D. We mix this mixture together. There's a lot of players involved in making your life easier, but you're just going to outsmart everybody and just dilute this degree, sir. It's like, no, man, you're not going to outsmart everybody. And the only person you hurt in these bad decision moments is you. You don't hurt anyone else. Now, you may damage your customer's car, which would hurt them, but somebody gets in their car and they smell a heavy chemical smell, most times they're not calling you back. You don't know why they didn't call you back, but I'm telling you, I have had so many high-end customers tell me, when we get into our interiors, when your guys are done with them, we smell our interior. We smell our perfume or our cologne. We don't smell this harsh chemical smell. And that has been the bedrock of Revive. That's the bedrock going back to the guy talking about compounds and polishes. Let me tell you something, man. The guy's using the best abrasives across the world. The stuff's going to be more expensive. It's going to work better as well. You're not going to outsmart the system. And unless you're spending thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars, and I even say this at the dealership level, if you're not spending three, five, ten thousand dollars a month on chemicals, you have zero reason to try to save five and six bucks here and there. There is no defense of it. All right. So, so everybody understands the switchover, right? We talk about levels. It's a common thing that we constantly always try and talk about. So, when you see somebody on social or you meet somebody and they talk about, right? You can see that if they associate an address around that type of, you know, oh, I can save, save, right? Or save, right? I, I got to save. You can associate that they're at one level. The other level that we talk about of being elite, of somebody that we really like to work with, because it's probably more of who we are. Of We've always tried to find these type of mindful people that uh, whether we're servicing their cars or selling them chemical. Either way, best business is to have a like mindset. And so the like mindset of an elite person isn't really about the savings. It's more about finding the guy, right? Like who can be a part? Who can be around? Does this person know what they're talking about, right? This goes into whether I'm looking for a product or I'm looking for a service these people always want to talk to another individual that knows yep. what, what they're talking about. The only people that know what they're talking about are the elite. Yep. Why somebody elite then? Because they know what they're talking about. Well, it's because they're not always trying to look for the cheap thing. They're actually trying to grab the most knowledge, the best yep. processes, and having the best purpose so that we can grow something all together in like-mindedness. Yeah. And I think one of the things that a lot of the Facebook groups have taught me is, is something I was told a, a lot in my life, you know, athletically is the guys know who the guys are, right? You know who the real players are. You know who the real difference makers are. You, you know when you know. And this is why a lot of guys get left behind, not only athletically and at some point in their life, or they get left behind in business is because they think they are outsmarting the system. They're outsmarting the world. They're, they know something you don't know, but they don't realize that the guys know who the guys are. When I walk around or when I went to Phoenix, I know who the guys are. 
there's not a hidden guy that I don't know about because I know who the guys are. I know the shop's doing the highest quality work. I know the guys that care. I know the guys trying to do their best. I know the guys that have put in the time. I know the guys that aren't trying to find the cheapest ceramic coating on the planet and have it fail in the Arizona sun. The guys know the guys. And this is one thing you see, I think even more now since influencer has become more prevalent in our life. The reason most of those people have a lot of followers but don't make any money is because the guys know that that's not the guy. And the only way you get anywhere in life are whoever the guys are, they better know you because that's going to propel your business. So if you want to work with elite customers, they know within seconds of meeting you if you're the guy. Period. End of story. They don't have to guess because guess what? They're extremely successful. Maybe they're a millionaire or billionaire. They're a guy. So they know who the guys are. That could come down to anybody they talk to in any walk of life. They get the feeling, is this the dude or not? Right? And so we have the same thing. You and I get on a phone call and we talk to somebody about Sparta. Within seconds, we know if he's a guy. Correct? It's just the way it works. When you've been doing something, when you've put your time into something, when you've met the guys, you know what the guys sound like. And now you have somebody come to your house to fix your AC. You know within minutes, if not seconds, is this the guy, right? Why? Because in your professional life, you're a guy. And what people don't realize is that's the level difference. Everyone knows in the NBA, LeBron's a guy, a guy that matters. Why? They watch him play hoops. They watch film. They know he's a guy, right? But they see a guy over here on this team and they go, man, he's on a team, but he's not a guy. He's, he's not that guy. Okay. This is what so many people don't understand is that the way you talk in a Facebook group, the people that matter, and it, there's a lot of them they know you aren't one of them. And so now you've cheapened everything about yourself. And, and look, we have this going on in multifaceted parts of the detailing business now, right? We're hearing so much more about website and marketing and all this other stuff that guys don't feel like they're getting what they should out of it. And now guys are being questioned, are they the guy? And I'm telling you, when that stuff starts to be questioned about you, there really is no recovering from it. So that's what cheap costs you. Nobody who's the man acts that way. Nobody. You've, you and I have never been to an elite business where they nickeled and dimed their business throughout the board. They just didn't do it. No. I Thinking about what you were talking about, it flashed into my mind was a specific moment of when I walked on to play collegiate football. Now, in high school, I could do the, you know, we were trained because the way we ran our offense was read the line, you know, read the linebackers, knowing the defensive, you know, we did a lot of options. So, you know, you got to read the defensive end. And then we would do a lot of dump, right? A lot of dump passes, fakes, and throw dumps, you know, 10, 20 yards. Well, as the spread started to grow in the early 2000s, and especially when you got into college, you had to throw the ball a little further than 20 yards. Yep. You Not know pretty you, quick who's the guy. You find I mean, out pretty quick who's the guy, right? Like yeah. you, you know who the guy I is. I got two passes. Two <laughs> passes in, and they were like, Yeah, you need to come over this. You're yeah. gonna try and be you're another not, guy. You're, right? Yeah, you're I'm, not the guy. 
Like you're not the guy. Again, the funny thing is, there's going to be a lot of people that understand this, and maybe they're at the beginning of their career and they're like, "Yeah, I, I can remember these." Whatever it is you're into, right? Whatever hobby or whatever sport or whatever thing you did growing up, you can point to somebody and say, "When I was around him doing." baseball when I was around him doing football when I was around him doing you know riding dirt bikes or whatever he was the guy we all knew he was a guy I wasn't that guy at this point and I knew my football career was over because I wasn't one of those people it's all good it happens to all of us but I always say this you know I'm a big fight guy I'm in Chase Bank handling some stuff for Hyperclean last week the heavyweight champ of the world's in there Francis Ngannou when he got up, I happened, we, we, we've done some work for him. He daps me up. This guy cuts to make 265 heavyweight limit. Did you take a selfie? Post <laughs> it? Yeah, that's a good way. He just bought a new G-Wagon, by the way. That's why he was in Chase Bank, which was, you know, we'll, 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 we'll be getting our hands on that. But here's the funny thing. When he stood up, he's a guy. <laughs> like, yeah, man, I could see why you knock some people out. Like, this, this makes sense. Not because he acted tough, but because when you see a guy, he's a guy. And that same thing goes through all levels of business, right? And that doesn't mean you can't advance into being a guy, right? You can keep getting better and get your, your level up. But along the way, you need to act how the top level guys act. If you don't do that from the very beginning, it's really never going to happen. And I see a lot of guys in detailing get left behind. And we know guys have been doing this 10 years that you and I talk about all the time privately, like, damn, dude, he's got all the talent in the world. But he is stuck in trying to make everybody believe he's the smartest guy in the room. He doesn't listen to anybody. And when you talk to him, the first 10 seconds you go, he ain't one of the guys. Okay. And here's, I think, where I was going to go with this, you know, my little life lesson about – not making a collegiate uh, quarterback, right? Was you begin to find out you got to try things. And I'm not, I'm not mad at myself that I tried and got sure. rooted myself right on off. Right. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, you got to try things you, but to progress in life, to progress in business, to succeed, you do have to figure out where you can be the guy. Yep. An elite person is not elite at everything. An elite person becomes elite at something. They become known as, which is kind of what we're saying is you become known as the guy that will do, and then you can fill in the blank. You, yep. you can be elite at really only what, maybe one or two things for somebody. You can't be yeah, elite I mean, at everything. And yeah, you can't. I'm certainly not elite at everything. I wish I could ex be. Exactly. <laughs> so when we go into detailing then, where do we need to be elite? How do we become that? That becomes sort of that thing that we keep saying elite. And I know people hear it and they talk about it. There's some that go, yeah, man, I'm, I'm that guy. And there's some that want to be that guy, right? Yeah. Like they want to get there and they might think that, Oh, I got to do this. And I've got to do PPF, right? This is the thing that we see is people start progressing through. They go, oh, I got to do PPF. I got to do tent. I got to do correction. I got to do coatings. I've got to do what I've yep. got to do. Like, and they start listing out all these things that they've got to be so great in. Do they? Yeah. And, and here's the deal. A lot of them end up out of business and training at ceramic coating companies. Uh, but you know, the reality is that, I think 
a lot of people don't really just stop and say, hey, man, I, I just need to get better at X, Y, and Z, right? I just need to figure out what everyone's doing and who's operating on an elite level. And when we take this back to chemicals, elite guys are not beating you up to save five bucks on a gallon of soap. They're just not doing that. It's not even worth their time. And I don't care how busy you are or not busy you are. It should never be worth your time. Am I better driving to Walmart, walking to the back of the store, wasting an hour of my time, travel, plus getting my chemicals that aren't very good? Or would I be better spent spending that hour marketing my business and trying to sell new customers? Which one's going to pay me more? Well, Walmart doesn't pay you. And saving three bucks on a gallon of soap doesn't really help you that much. But maybe if you'd have spent that hour, you could have landed a $250, $500, $750, $1,000 job. So where elite people figure out pretty quick. And when you're first in business, I know the mountain of mistakes I made was I didn't value my time enough. Now, as I get longer into business, I realize something amongst all successful people, all elite people they will pay way more money to save themselves time of not doing something so they can concentrate on what they're great at. So if you believe you're great at detailing, you should never be sitting there worried about five bucks on a soap because what you do great is detail cars. So any time spent goofing around with chemicals takes away from what you're elite at. So let's say somebody's an elite stock trader. That guy's not doing his landscaping because he'd rather just be buying and selling stocks all day and pay for somebody to do his landscape because any minute away from what he's great at makes him a loser. He loses money. So I would say the same thing about this chemical phenomenon where we see everybody trying to save a buck here, two bucks there, three bucks there. I'd just rather go out and knock on a door and maybe get a $100 detail and the three bucks isn't a problem getting a $200 detail, $300 detail, or getting my name out there. It's just a much different way of operating. And again, we know statistically eight out of 10 people are going to fail in business and they're not going to fail in business because they spent an extra $5 on soap. That's just not the reality. That's just not what the stats show us. And so they're going to do it from, they didn't sell enough. They didn't market enough or they blew a lot of money in their business on frivolous things that they didn't need. And that's not three or $4 on a gallon of soap. That, that's just not what, what everybody knows of studying business for a hundred years now. And so that's why when you come across elite people, they sound a certain way on the phone, they, they talk a certain way in person. It doesn't matter where they were born or how they were raised. Once they get to an elite level, they all sound the same. Everybody on the elite level of any business Everyone talks the same. We all talk the same. So when you get on the phone, the reason I know whether somebody's elite or not is because I know how the elite people talk. And yeah, they may have a different accent or maybe speaks faster or slower, but they sound the same. They care about the same things. The wheel has already been invented about how to build a successful detail shop. You want to go and reinvent the wheel, be my guest. You can have your little spins on it, but to me, Anybody in these Facebook groups, anybody on social media talking about I can save five bucks on soap, I already know they're not one of the guys. And that's the unfortunate thing. Yeah, it is. And it's also interesting to see, right? So as listeners continue to see stuff, we can begin to analyze and build out the direction and the best practices for our car life and how we should progress through life. So great discussion. Loved it. And uh, 
Hope everybody had a great uh, Labor Day weekend and uh, see y'all next week. All right, fellas.